Welcome to the Good Theological Thursday podcast, where we have open conversations about theology and culture. My name is James Crockett. And I am Dre Clark, and we are glad to have you join in our conversation today. We hope that this podcast helps you as you think about your life and God and how they fit together. And a Good Theological Thursday to everybody. We are in Season 3, Episode 8 of the podcast. Dre, we got a little different show today uh, because, of course, I think this idea came up because you and I came in not entirely sure what we were going to record today. That's correct. Yes, because we, uh, we've talked about a lot of things at this point. I don't even know. I, I'd have to look up the exact number of episodes we've done, but, um, you know, it's, it's easy for us to talk. But, you know, cause we, we've been trying to, you know, to kind of prepare a little bit for some of these things. And so it, it takes a toll, and especially in busy weeks and things going on. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we, uh, decided today to just do something different, kind of old school though. It's kind of a throwback to really how the podcast origin started though. Wouldn't you mm. say James, this idea of just coming together on a Monday and just talking about whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, really... I, well, I mean, ultimately we didn't, it's not like you and I sat down for conversations and we were planning out what we were going to talk to each other about. You know, it's just, we would just kind of talk about what was on our mind, um, and exactly exactly yeah so uh kind of an old school episode so i'm excited about it so i think it's a good idea and uh it kind of worked out we're, we're actually ahead so as we're you know doing this podcast it's actually uh we're doing it in the past from when it releases mm-hmm. um and so uh so we, we've been doing pretty good of pumping out a bunch of episodes lately and so uh kind of just ran out of stuff today and we said hey what if we just kind of uh went back to this idea of just kind of a conversation kind of unscripted Mm. Um, or more unscripted than normal and uh, some just kind of questions and thoughts and stuff that we have. So interesting episode today. But before we get into that, uh, let's jump into some weekly recommendations. So James, uh, what's your what's your weekly recommendation? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a book I got on my bookshelf called God's Undertaker. Has Science Buried God? This is by John Lennox. John Lennox uh, is a Irish apologist, um, really one of the He's getting pretty old now, but really one of the more well-known apologists of the day Uh, has been doing it for a number of years, uh, but is involved in various debates. You can, you know, if you ever want to hear John Lennox, you can just go probably YouTube. I mean, you could probably pull up all sorts of debates he's had with very famous thinkers and philosophers and, uh, but a very, very good uh, defender of the faith. And so, uh, yeah, he has this book, God's Undertaker at Science Buried God. Uh, which he's a uh, Linux has a lot of familiarity with science. He's a mathematician by trade, um, and but yeah, just really good thinker. And I, I think this is all a question that we have to wrestle with: is what the relationship between science and God, and are they opposed to each other, or do they actually complement one another in some ways? So, uh, good book, God's Undertaker by John Lennox. Awesome, awesome. Well, my book today, James, it kind of deals with our uh, our discussion. So today we are doing kind of uh, questions back and forth, kind of uh, putting each other on the spot. And so I put I did a book called Say Please, Say Thank You, The Respect We Owe One Another, just in case we get into any debates today um, of things. Uh, it's, it's, it's a book that's by an old Presbyterian pastor, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's a super old book. Like, I don't even remember where I got it. Um, but it's it's really funny, and it just goes through, like, this is idea of owing basic human respect, right? This idea of say, say, please say thank you. And it goes through like 
white lies and, you know, even giving the bird to somebody and, you know, being on time, not farting in public, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty funny. Um, it's, but it's just a good book about, you know, just being respectful to people like when you're out in public and being around. And so, um, mm. anyways, fun book, say, please say thank you. And I do think that the world would be a little bit better if, if we could just, uh, practice some basic things of just being courteous to one another. I think that's, it's a lost art. And so, yeah, uh, that's my book this week, uh, by Donald McCulloff. I think that's how you'd say his name. McCullough, uh, say, yeah, something say, like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon. Like I said, it's super old, um, but uh, it's a good book. It's one that I've kept on my shelf all these years, and I enjoy it. I pick it up every now and then and kind of flip through mm-hmm. the pages of it. So, so James, uh, speaking of saying please and saying thank you, having nice conversations, we are going to do something interesting today. We have a list of questions uh, that both of us don't know about what the other person's questions are, right? So we have two yeah. lists of questions that we have not seen before. Um, mm, yep. and the idea is to have an unscripted, you know, not a lot of time to prep for these answers, kind of off the cuff, you know, responses, uh, to these questions. My list of questions actually came from a guy named Bryce Harper. I texted him oh, last yeah, night I remember, and I, I was remember like, Bryce yeah, he, he supplies a lot of things. And so whenever I run out of stuff, I'm like, Hey Bryce, what do people in the real world think about, you know, <laughs> that aren't in and so, uh, so he gave me a list of questions and I was like, yep, let's just do all of those today. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. what spurred this uh, conversation. Uh, and then I asked you to, to think of some questions. So we have not, we don't know each other's questions. Um, some of them are kind of tricky. Some of them are not. Each question probably could go into further depth. They could be their own episode. But yeah. the point of today is just to kind of talk through it and, uh, and kind of engage in a theological conversation kind of raw. So that's where we're going to go today. Uh, anything you want to add to that, James? Is that kind of no, what's No, no, I think that sums it up. Just rapid response. We don't know what we're going to ask each other and, you know, we also reserve the right if, you know, um, you know, if maybe we don't have a great answer you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, there might be a time where I'd be like, you know, I got to study that more before I can actually give a fully informed answer. So should be a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to this. So, Dre, how about I do you want to start asking or you yeah, want me to start? You know, I think that uh, I'm going to pay tribute to Rupert. Um, he used to be my boss back at, uh, at when I was at Hillcrest. And uh, and Rupert uh. would always say age before beauty. You know, every time you walk through the door, age before beauty. So, James, I think age should go before beauty here today. Oh so why don't gosh. you start us off? Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, let me start with – well, here's a fun question to start. This is actually – Noah posed this question, but then also my uh, education pastor, Lawrence – he came into my office yesterday. He's like, I want to hear you guys talk about this. So this is a question about aliens. And so I, <laughs> yes. I'm i going to – I'm just – I had to figure out how to word this question. So here's the question. If life was discovered on other planets, how would it affect your theology? Oh, gosh. Yeah. What, what kind of life would be the first – you know, just when I think of that, I'm like, okay, life could mean a lot of things. Like, is an amoeba, you know, amoeba is yeah, in a sense yeah. living. Um, but I'm assuming is the question talking about like, you know, like on par with human life? Is that kind of where you think that was going? Or is it just kind of a broad, like, oh, look, yeah. we found this monkey like creature on Mars. Like, yeah, um, because that, and the reason I'm asking is that that would mean something like, you know, I think if you mm. found like a squirrel or something on another planet, I'd be like, cool, like we have squirrels here too. And that doesn't really change my theology that much. Right. Um, yeah. But if you found, if you found people that were, that would appear to be 
you know, like humans, right. That, that, mm-hmm. that we're at, the, you know, cause I think there's something different about being made in the image of God and doing that. So that, that would be a discovery that might, that might trip up my theology a little bit. I'd have to really reconsider that. Is that making sense of, of where I'm kind of yeah. thinking through this question? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think you're, you're kind of starting at the baseline of, yeah, of, yeah. of what you would have to think through um, first yeah. is, okay, what's the nature of the life? You know, mm-hmm. is it, you know, because, you know, we, we even say here that there's a difference between, you know, as believers, we believe there's a difference between plant life, animals, and us, right? I mean, that, and like you said, the whole image of God theology, I mean, this is a very big thing. So, I mean, if, I mean, I, I would, to answer my own question, I mean, I would agree with you first off of, hey, if it, they're not, if it's not like other beings in the image of god then it doesn't really affect my theology a whole lot but let's say if now i mean we're talking extreme hypotheticals like i don't even know if this is possible um i don't know if i believe that this is true at all um Mm -hmm. but what if what if something like that was discovered on other planets let's just just for the fun of it yeah yeah so the question that that my mind would go to, which I think is you know one of the most important, you start with this idea of image of God. What does it mean to be human, or what is the nature of this life? So that's a you know an anthropological question of of natures that you'd have to enter into. The second one though that would really get tricky is is your idea of soteriology. Mm. Um, and yeah. I don't I don't want to reveal all my cards and everything and just talk about that because it's a major issue. But the question is is would God have chosen? Um, or would a God have had atonement for this race of mm. creatures? Um, yeah. That would be the that'd be the question at hand, and and that's where I would kind of gut feeling. I'd say, well, it doesn't appear in Scripture that that God died for anyone other than the people that come from the mm. line of Adam and Eve, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I think I think there's a theological soteriological line that tracks through that. And so w- the reason that that God saves us is because He becomes one of us. In the line mm. of David, he fulfills this prophecy of what God's doing in the world. And mm. so the Bible is the story of God's dreams to the world. And I, as far as we know, there's not a Bible for God doing things elsewhere in the world. Could yeah. it be theoretically possible? Yes. Now, I would have some issues like, could did God die? Could Jesus have died for another planet somewhere else in another time period in history? I, I would probably say that doesn't seem very likely. I think that that knocks down a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So I, I would just assume that these creatures would either have been maybe in the realm of like angelic beings, like they're creatures that are kind of outside of this salvific history mm-hmm. or they have a different kind of nature um, yeah. that that doesn't get that offering of grace or they mm-hmm. – or maybe they uh, don't need it. Um, that would be a possibility too. Or no. yeah, that, that those would be the things that I would kind of assume for that would be happening. But I, I would have a hard time saying, "Oh, we found this dude on Mars who's definitely not in the line of Adam." Like, okay, Jesus died. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd tell the gospel to that dude. You know, I don't know if mm-hmm. it would. That'd be what I'd say. Like, I don't know if I could say Jesus died for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you think? That's that's my ramblings yeah. on it. I I think you're. I mean, number one, this question is, uh, like I said, it's very hypothetical. I don't, I don't find any evidence in Scripture that really suggests that we're going to find something elsewhere like humanity that God has created in His image, right? I mean, the story of Genesis is 
you know, talks about it talks about the creation of the moon, the stars. I mean, it's talking about the creation mm-hmm. of the galaxy. And yeah. then it hones in and says, on earth, God created man in his own image. So, number one, I don't think the Bible gives any suggestion that there's somehow other – there are other Things, image yeah. bearers of God um, yeah. in the universe. Because even, even angels, like angels don't even get that. No, right? no, that's um, that's know, that's the difference between us and angels is this idea of mm-hmm. we bear we bear God's image Himself, right? Um, yeah. And yeah. so and so yeah. so the, so there is there is an affirmation of other creatures mm-hmm. that that are that are like humans that you know that actually you know maybe even more powerful maybe have they're in a different kind of I don't know species i don't even know how you'd call that right there's yeah. but, but they're spiritual not they're beings, not in the yeah. salvation yeah they're spiritual beings and so uh, my my view does accept the reality so if i found so if something happened on mars i don't think it would mess up my theology it would definitely just make me it just i'd have to really evaluate it and right now i'm not because i don't think they're really there um yeah so but uh but yeah i think that it's that the angelology which is there's a whole study of that i think angelology mm-hmm. demonology those fields would be what i would lean on yeah um and that doesn't mean that these people can't be fallen because, you know, there's, there's this idea in Revelation that we'll judge the angels. Revelation or Hebrews, uh, that we judge angels. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And so there is there is still, like, a reality there, but it's it's different. Um, so, but yeah, soteriology would be the big yeah, question yeah. mark. But, yeah, I don't yeah. think it would bug me, though. Yeah. Found, if you found an alien, I'd be like, cool. You know? <laughs> it, yeah. doesn't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make me not a Christian by any means. I don't think it really touches that area of my life. So Right. Yeah. Um, well, good. Well, what do you got? All right, man. Uh, that was a that was a fun kind of <laughs> warm up question. I, I wasn't yeah. ready for that one. Yeah. Uh, let me give you one that I think maybe is uh, in your specialty area as a as a Greek, uh, you know, PhD guy, um, New Testament. Uh, so here's the question: Is uh, why do we why do people assume that Paul changed his name from Saul? Why is that such a popular teaching? And and you might have to do some background on this question. Uh, but this idea of, you know, yeah. I'm no longer Saul, now I'm Paul. You know, Paul changes his yeah. name at his conversion. Where does the idea come from? Is that biblical? And why do people, so many people, you know, yeah. assume that? Yeah, I've actually, I've, I remember there's a couple times I've even uh, corrected people on this. Or I remember one time uh, we had an intern here at the church. Um, he's a great guy. Um, he's actually working at another church now as a youth pastor and I remember one of his first sermons, he said this, that, you know, you know, Paul, you know, changed his name from Saul. God changed Saul's name to Paul. And it was like a sign mm-hmm. of his conversion. And I actually just sit down with him. Hey, man, the Bible doesn't actually say that. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. it's not really what happens. Saul. So to give background, really, at what I. I'll start with what I think is going on there and then I will and then I will maybe try to delve into why do I think this idea arose that somehow God changed his name. So first mm-hmm. off, Saul is a very Jewish name while Paul is a Greek name, right? So I think really what you've got is these two different names. He goes Saul is more of his Jewish name, Paul is more of his Greek name. And the reason in Acts you see a shift, right, from calling him Saul to where Luke begins to call him Paul. And then, of course, Paul will refer to himself as Paul, right? I think it's a shift in showing how Paul's mission became to the Gentiles, Um, how Paul was the missionary to the Gentiles. He was the one 
of all the apostles commissioned to go outside of Jerusalem, outside of the house of Israel to reach those um, who are not within Israel. And so to do this, he goes by his more Greek name, goes by Paul, right? And so I think there, I think in Acts, it's a more literary device of shifting to calling him Paul to represent the shift in Paul's mission, that he's going outside of Israel to go and to reach Gentiles, to reach the Greeks um, with the gospel, so to say, right? And this is, I think, again, Paul sees himself as the apostle to the Gentiles, and this is why he's going to refer to himself as Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, now, why did people, why did this become a popular notion? Uh, that, I don't really know. My guess is somehow it arose in church tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this even goes to, it, this could even go to a deeper question, which is a debate in Pauline theology and New Testament scholarship of Paul's road to Damascus. There's this whole debate on, was this a conversion or call? Right, the mm, the appearance yeah, of Jesus yeah. on the road to Damascus. There's actually a debate here, where was Paul converted on the road to Damascus, or should we consider that more of a call? Um, which, to read my cards, I would say it's both. I mean, I would think, mm-hmm. I think that the, I think the road to Damascus, it was both the conversion and a call. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think it's both. Yeah. Simul- I don't think it's one or the other. I, I think that's kind of yeah. a. I think that's an unnecessary division we put on it, but yeah, we're, we're um, putting a category on it that may not have been naturally there. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so even that whole debate might play into this, but yeah, I mean, I, I would guess it just, I'm just guessing now I would guess it just kind of arose in tradition. A lot of times, you know, a preacher says it, it sounds good or somebody mm-hmm. else says it, it sounds good. And, and just kind of by word of mouth, people just kind of start to naturally believe it without really looking into um, you know, maybe it makes sense. Oh, he was called Paul after he was converted on the road to Damascus. So, oh, maybe God changed his name. And but Bible just doesn't say that. I think it's more literary device than anything, and really conveys more about Paul's calling to reach the Gentiles. So. Yeah, and and you do. To be fair, you do have in the scriptures. You do have the name change does happen, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So you do see Genesis. So yeah. it's. Yeah, and so you do have this pattern that's there um, that you have in the stories. And then whenever Paul comes along, there is a literary shift, and he starts referring to himself in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so um, so there is something that's going on there. The question is, is, is that, you know, did God give him this name? You'd say, no, God, it's not It's not the same as it was back in the Old Testament. It's not that kind of a thing where right. that did happen, or Jesus was some of his disciples. Um, and so, but yeah, Augustine and some of these early church Christians from uh, some of these other Jerome, um, Origen, these guys all, you know, comment on this. And I think that's where it becomes mm-hmm. in like, oh, it must have been this this change. And I think it probably got overemphasized in church history. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Saul was his Jewish, you know, uh, in the diaspora, Jews would have two names that were ph- phonetically similar. Like that was really, you know, common. Um, and so I think Saul was his kind of more Jewish name. Paul is more Gentile name. And that, that follows the line of FF Bruce and some other people. That's where I've always kind of landed on it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think we can overplay it that much to this major, you know, thing that, you know, Paul had his name changed and now you need to as well, or, you know, or anything like that. I don't, yeah, think it's, yeah. I don't think it's anything like that. I don't think it matches what happens in the old Testament where there's intentional name changes for certain reasons. I don't, I don't see that happening in those stories. Yeah. Um, Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, another one down. All yeah. right. Uh, probably, probably a couple more questions. Uh, so what's next, James? Uh, let's go with this one. Uh, I had someone ask me this a while back, um, but just simple. Why three days before resurrection? 
Why did oh, Je- Why was Jesus in the grave for three days before resurrection? Yeah. All right. So off the top of my head, I want to say there is it's a there's a prophecy somewhere that that's fulfilling, mm-hmm. um, but it's not coming to my mind. Well, Jesus if, does if say just there. as just as uh, Jonah spent three days in the belly of the whale, so also the Son of Man will. I think there's a. There's a prophecy a connection that. to that. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I'm vaguely remembering that one too. So I think you stumped me on this one, James. Um, I remember <laughs> that one because I remember talking about why would Jesus compare himself to Jonah? He's not running. Maybe he's like the anti Jonah. Cause Jonah's like, you know, this it's a missionary thing. Maybe that's where I'm going through. And I've even went through Jonah a couple, about a year ago. Um, yeah, so my, my gut reaction, I might just be wrong. I'm just going to go and answer it too, just so I, because that's what guys do. We just answer stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's, it's this theme of, of Jonah, you know, kind of this anti-missionary thing that he does. He's trying to escape, and so he's in the belly, but Jesus mm-hmm. is now going to the place that, that he's willingly going where Jonah was forced to go kind of a thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. What, 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 are, what, are your, what are your so, thoughts on that? So, so, the path, so number one, this is an, inter- it's an interesting question that I think is kind of we can maybe give some answers to, but, you know, I don't know if it matters that much in the end. Probably um, Number one. Uh, number two, so the passage we're referring to is Matthew 12. Uh, you look at verse 40. For just as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Um, mm-hmm. And so you've got this prophecy there. And he's actually talking about it in the uh, in the context of this, the Pharisees wanting a sign from him. He's like this adulterous generation seeks a sign. Um, much like uh, Nineveh, um, and so he even compares the Pharisees almost to Nineveh, uh, which is interesting. Uh, another discussion, though. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that could, another thing I've heard before is just even the amount of time, like three days. Whenever someone was in a grave for three days, I mean, there was no, mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard that there was one. no doubt they were dead. Like you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't argue. Let's say Jesus rose again the next morning. People going to be like, oh, he wasn't actually dead. He just was in a really bad coma. And okay, he got up and he was fine. But when you're stuck in that tomb for three days, um, of course, Jesus wrapped up in cloth. And I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, there was no doubt he was going to be dead. Um Mm-hmm. Uh, well, even even you hear you hear uh, when Lazarus is in the grave, right? And he's been dead for was he dead for three or four days? Was it almost four days with Lazarus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I think it was. And right, and they and when Jesus says open the grave, and Martha mm-hmm. says, "Lord, by now he stinks." In other words, hey, the decaying process is taking place, and he's going to mm-hmm. smell yeah. really bad. And so I've even heard that the, the idea of. Which I don't, I don't buy into that one as much. Because, I mean, because yeah. I, I, I don't see anywhere else that there's this three-day – because that almost presupposes a three-day rule, and I have not yeah. found that anywhere. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah I, I, I mean, the Jonah thing is I'm pretty sure where it is because I thought there was another one maybe in Ezekiel, but there's not. It's the Jonah one. Yeah. But, you know, jo- Jonah rec- even refers himself as, you know, he was in the belly of hell. Like that's that, that's the Hebrew mm-hmm. going on in there, um, you know, for three days. And so I do think mm-hmm. that there's – but yeah, why the yeah. three days – yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah. I mean, I think we just say, uh, you know, God saw it fit that three days was enough time. So yeah. I think well, that's and, really and, all and you can I, say. I do, you know? And I do think that the number three, at least in a Hebrew mindset too, or Jewish mindset, three is a, 
it was seven is one of the one of those complete numbers, but three is also like there's a lot of meaning to numbers, you know. So forty days, three, and so mm-hmm. I, I do think there's probably some numerology stuff going on there yeah. of the importance. But I don't know if we can talk even too far into that as well. So I, I would probably go with that more than before. I would go with like mm-hmm. oh three days is they're really dead. I think back then I think you know dead people would be dead. Um, so I don't know maybe mm-hmm. that could be it. That's yeah. I'm sure there's lots and lots of books written about that um, three days. Yeah. But I mean, I kind of uh, think I, I, if there is a lot yeah. written on it, I, I would think it's kind of a waste of time. But yeah, this might. yeah. I, th- I think the important thing there is Jesus says it will be three days and he predicts it correctly. That's what I think yeah. is the the there, there's the miracle is maybe not the number of days, but the miracles and the fact that not only did he rise again, but he was able to predict his death and predict his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, he's tying it back to Jonah, which is this idea of of some kind of a missional thing. You know, um, and so I do think there's a tie to, to Jonah. Maybe we need to understand Jonah better, and that would be where I'd probably really explore into it. You know, more. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. I was so consumed with your question. Let me look at the next one on mine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> aliens and then and the days. You're, you're getting me. Um, all right, let's see. I'm not going to give you the easy one then since you're being a punk. Um, <laughs> James, uh, how, y- how young is too young to get saved? Oh, my gosh. Uh, um, man. Um, well, number one, I don't think there's a hard, fast rule of too young to get saved. I, 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 would, I would say in general um, – you know, Jesus, Jesus ultimately says, you know, if someone doesn't have the faith like these little children, they cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus often credits the faith of children, right? And that and that faith of children is just like this, you know, a child with like their parent. There's often just a, you know, just an unfailing trust in the parent um, that the parent loves mm-hmm. them and cares for them. And, you know, we, we know that children are more trustworthy, are more likely to trust people and so jesus you know plays off of this and he talks about the faith of a child that is this just complete trust in the father complete trust in christ complete um submission to jesus and uh so he plays off the faith of a child now how young is too young I, you know, number one i think it's different for every child um you know i don't think there's you know i don't think there's a child that's like you know, so every child is a little bit different depending on how their mental maturity, their emotional maturity, mm-hmm. different things like that. Some kids seem to pick up on things quicker than other kids. So I think it's probably different than others. I mean, I've heard people talk about, you know, I was saved when I was three or four years old. And, you know, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I can sit here and say, no, I don't believe that was possible. Um you know, it's possible they well, would you I mean, you're you're about to have a kid. Though. I mean, would you ever say that, oh, one month of being born like that's too young to be saved? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think if a kid so can't you, like we, can we put can we put dates on this, you know, um, you know, and because there's developmental. But when we say, well, before three or before this, like it's impossible. Would we, would we be comfortable saying that or you be comfortable saying that's your question? Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> ultimately, I would say, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll go with it's incredibly highly unlikely if, if my kid were to <laughs> tell – so we're about to have a kid. And you know if my kid at two years old were to tell me that I'm a Christian now, I probably wouldn't take them very seriously, um, mm-hmm. mainly because they're two. Like you know that it's just kind of 
so, but I, I think there's, so if you have a child who is, does profess Christ at a very young age, I think just spending some time and maybe not right away. Like I, I had this situation came up with a guy I work with here at the church who, um, he has a daughter. He recently baptized. She's six, maybe six, seven years old now. But I think she professed Christ a couple of years ago. Well, they, or a year and a half, two years ago, they really took their time with her to make sure, hey, is this real? Was she just saying this? And really worked with her over time to figure out, hey, was this a real decision to trust Christ? Or was it, you know, yeah. So I think spending your time, you know, taking your time with with your child, making sure that, hey, this was real and all this stuff, making sure they fully understand salvation and what it is. We're not saying they got to be expert theologians or anything like that, but that they fully understand who they're professing, what, what this, what this means. Uh, I think, and just not rushing it. And so um, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, but um, that's kind of, I'm just, you know, and again, I don't know this from first name experience. So, I'm just about to become a, hard a parent. <laughs> it, it is a yeah. difficult question though. So, yeah. I mean, we have something here at our church called, uh, you know, they, they call it kid faith and it's this, you know, they spend, I mean, before a child goes up and gets baptized, you know, we don't, we typically hear like with children, if children comes forward and says, yeah, I want to accept Jesus. We don't like take them up the next Sunday and baptize them. Right. We take our time. Yeah with them to make sure there's definitely that, a process the, the, yeah the, no matter what there really should be a process and i think the process needs to be even more intentional the younger the kid goes maybe yeah that's fair to i would say. agree yeah yeah that's a good way to say it i, I think a couple things too just my my thoughts on it one we need to make sure that we never hold the idea that because there's ideas in calvinism where it's like they're elect and they're you know it's that they're elect before and so the the reality is you're just trying to show people that they're the elect that's an that's a theological idea i don't agree with but i think yeah. that's you got to be careful that that there is a moment there is a moment where where somebody goes from death to life yeah, um, there agreed. is a conversion agreed. um and so people are not born with that um that so it's not yeah. like the state that they have and so that does happen and then then the question becomes well what what mandates that kind of a, of a conversion. What, what are the things that are there? Um, mm. and, and the other question is, well, how much do you have to know? Is it a knowledge thing? Um, and I would say, well, I don't think it's just a knowledge. And there was, you know, there's the three levels of faith, the Latin words that are there. There's a lot of discussion there, which we could probably do a whole other podcast on later on of mm. conversion. But, but those things need to be there and, and they don't need to be there fully, um, but they need to be there wholly. Maybe that's the way to say it. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so the idea is you have to come to a place where, where all that is, all that a kid knows about God and all that he knows about himself, um, that he, that all that he knows about himself loves all that he knows about God. And there is a simplicity there, a mm -hmm. simple part of that faith. Um, but are there ages that that may not be able to happen at? Um, yeah, you know, I, th I think that there's some, yeah. I think you gotta be really careful because, uh, you know, kid kids think differently, their brains are developing differently. And so, mm -hmm. uh, there's been a lot of attacks. You can go read some articles on how, um, people are attacking kids ministry, you know, cause they're, um, you know, it's kind of like this, you know, overly, you know, dogmatizing conversion thing to them. It's, it's, they say it's, you know, really dangerous, um, cause you're just breeding in ideas in their head. And so there's a lot of debates around yeah. this. And so I yeah. do think that, that churches and policies that go to more wisdom in this area are probably better off than those who say, yeah, it's just, you know, it's kind of just go free for all. I think that you gotta be really careful in this stuff, especially yeah. as they start getting into their teenage years and young adult years. Um, yeah. I, and so, I yeah. think, you know, ultimately with kids, you've got to, 
teach truth to them. There's a fine line of teaching truth to them without emotionally manipulating kids, right? Yeah. Like we yeah. have to be careful to not, you know, it's easy sometimes. Um, I remember we had this, we had this group here at our church. It was four years back. Um, I won't say the name of the group because um, not to just call them out, but I remember this group comes and the way they gave an invitation, it was very, it was incredibly manipulative. And, you know, you had like, you know, like 40 kids run forward and, you know, and sometimes like with each. And so what happens is, even if we have this, like what happens is, is you got to figure out, okay, why did this kid come forward? And a lot of times you find a kid that's like, oh, I came forward because Sally came forward or, you know, right. Their mm-hmm. friends came forward or, or, you know, they're, you know, <laughs> there's ways to manipulate kids into a response and so we just have to be careful that we don't do that um yeah and so yeah which is a fine line yeah but i do think we want to say that that if salvation is god's doing and not ours then god can do you know you want to leave it open where god can do what he wants to do as well yeah, and you don't exactly. want to limit god too so that there's there's yeah. a fine there's a fine line there so yeah all right. Well, that's a fun one to end with today on this episode, mm-hmm. uh, James. We're gonna we're gonna pick this up and we're gonna do a rapid response next week as well. So we got a couple yeah. more questions. We'll continue this uh, thing. But uh, but yeah. So any closing thoughts? Um, you know, for the day, James. Anything you want to leave people leave people with before we close out? Yeah. I mean, I think just uh, on complicated issues like the one we just talked about. Just yeah. Uh, if you, whenever you're trying to answer questions, like even the ones we're answering, just making sure you're really thinking through these issues, not being overly dogmatic when you don't need to be, but realizing mm-hmm. that, um, especially with this last one with kids, it's like realizing mm-hmm. that each circumstance is different. And if yeah. we're carefully thinking through these things with scriptural truth under the inspiration of the, under the influence and the direction of the spirit, um, then we'll, you know, and seeking wisdom from the Lord in each of these areas, you know, we'll we'll be able to, you know, make hopefully decent and good decisions. And um, so, yeah, yeah, I guess that would be and, and, my closing thought. Yeah. And, and I'd say, you know, don't be afraid to, to jump in. That's that's the way that we grow. That's the way we learn to think is by asking questions. And so. Um, you know, I, I don't know why three days, you know, I just don't know. And that's okay. And I can go now, now I might curious and I'm going to go try to look it up and try to figure it out. And so, um, so don't shy away from questions and people ask you, I mean, get into conversations with people, ask them these things, take these questions and bring them to your community and see what they have to say. It's not so much about getting the right answer while truth is important. Um, but it's also about the process of learning and growing and stretching, um, and that's what theology is about. Um, it's about mm. coming together in community and talking about the things of God. And luckily, the conversation's been going for thousands of years. And so um, so jump into it, and that's what we're here to help you do. So another episode in the books. Uh, James, close us out. Yeah, uh, thank you all again for listening uh, today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, just kind of slightly new f- this slightly different format for today's show as always um, if you have a question uh, that you would like us to answer talk about on the show uh, just as Dre had his buddy Bryce text him some questions uh, you can contact us a couple different ways Uh, you can uh, find us on Facebook at Good Theological Thursday just follow us there and you can you can send us a message 
um, through that through that platform, or you can email us at goodtheologicalthursday at gmail.com. Uh, we encourage you to rate and review the show. Um, if you have a time, to- if you have time to write a little review, we'll give you a shout out. Uh, subscribe if you have not subscribed uh, to the show yet. Um, and uh, if you have a friend that you think would really benefit from listening to this podcast and that you um, think would just really benefit from these discussions, please uh, show it to a friend. Uh, but Dre, why don't you close us out? Absolutely. Thanks for listening today. Join us back next week as we talk about uh, more questions that we don't know and kind of do this rapid response once more. Um, and until then, have a good Theological Thursday. Thanks. See you. See you.